Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I'm joined by my Thunder buddy, Joe Masato, who we usually don't record on Tuesday night, but we decided to do that tonight. How are you doing on this evening? Well, we had to wait until Tuesday night because of the NBA draft lottery was Tuesday night. And um, why why record Tuesday morning when we have the much-anticipated ping-pong ball affair? Um, I guess spoiler alert, although it's not really spoiler because it's expected. The Thunder got the number 12 pick in which there was an 85.2% chance of that happening. So uh, no surprises in Oklahoma City, Michael. No big surprises. The Thunder uh, stay chalk at 12, but that could be worse news because you go over the course of history with NBA draft picks at 12. I mean, you put it in an article. They got J-Dub, Jalen Williams last season. They also got Steven Adams. And if going back even earlier, you have Nick Collison. So some definitely um, track record of good players at 12 for the Thunder alone. But there are other guys out there at 12 who in um, history who have been really good also. Well, and how about this symmetry? Uh, Nick Collison, not drafted by the Thunder, of course, by the Supersonics. Um, same organization, drafted in 2003. Ten years later, you've got Steven Adams in 2013. And ten years after that, you're going to have insert name X in 2023. Have you put your name in for the draft? Could it be you? Are you pining for you to be the number 12 pick in this draft? I assume they'll take the Auburn kid. Jalen Williams. I think Barry might explode out of happiness to to hear that. But would, would that be a reach at twelve? I think so. I, I think so. He's a guy who I've heard just like for fun in the second round. For him going up to twelve would be incredible. But we'll get back to some thunder stuff in a second because the main story, I guess, for the NBA is that the um, San Antonio Spurs get to number one and draft Victor Wembanyama, which is the prize of this draft and is probably franchise altering for their their next decade of basketball i don't know if this is a hot take and i want to know how you feel about it i thought it was the most like predictable but boring pick like everyone's like ah the spurs are probably gonna win it it's the spurs you know they just um they've had lottery luck before obviously getting uh you know, Tim Duncan to to pair with David Robinson and basically had a one-year tank. Oh, they're going to get it again. And they got it. I'm just... Spurs are a little too vanilla for me, Michael. They're they're just... They're just kind of a, oh, boring old franchise. I know they're the model franchise. I know there's all kinds of Thunder ties. I know Sam Presti came from San Antonio. But I was hoping to mix it up, give someone else a shot to to build a next dynasty, perhaps the Spurs have been there. Yeah. I almost wanted them to drop to two to get Scoot Henderson, get some dynamic athletes on their team. I don't feel like they've had anybody who was like Tim Duncan was good. I don't think they've had anybody extremely fun to watch in a very long time. Maybe since like George Gervin. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Um, they certainly haven't had an athlete like Scoot. I mean, Duncan, again, I don't want to use the B word boring, but yeah. as far as superstars go, pretty boring. Horrific player, obviously, Hall of Famer and all of that stuff. Then you had, you know, Tony Parker was great. Manu was great. But these, like, finesse guys who are crafty, Scoot would have been just like a blend of dynamism um, for the Spurs. But now they have perhaps the most skilled, uh, well, the player with the most skill and the most size all mashed into one in Victor Wimbanyama. Um he will he were, he will tour the Alamo. Uh, he will play at AT and T Center, which is my least favorite arena in the NBA because it's it's uh, quite a ways from downtown, so not right by the Riverwalk. 
Um, but yeah, if you see a seven foot four Frenchman walking along the Riverwalk anytime soon, it's probably Victor Wimbanyama. Yeah, I'm sure he's a guy who would get spotted pretty easily. It's like, well, I'm wearing my hat. I'm wearing this whole disguise. It's like, yeah, that's not yeah. really how it works. But him and Chet is going to be a lot of fun, them playing against each other. And I kind of was hoping that he'd be out of the Western Conference, so it would be something less for the Thunder to deal with. But hopefully we get to see him twice in Oklahoma City or at least once next year um, to see him match up with some of the Thunder guys. But moving on with other stuff in the draft, the Hornets go up to two. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers go up to three, and the Houston Rockets drop out of the top three and go to four in what many people are um, thinking or considering as a three-player draft. Yeah, just a horrible result for the Rockets, and I know that won't upset a lot of people listening, nor will it upset the the host of this podcast, one Mr. Michael Martin. Um, I think it's a very... well. I'm all over the place. My brain is scattered. We just watched the results. Um, but it was a it, it went chalk for most of the night as they were revealed one by one. Um, but the biggest losers are are definitely Houston and Detroit yeah. um, for moving down, especially Detroit. Um, you know, and what is mainly seen as a is a three player draft. I also think the second and third picks are so fascinating with Charlotte and Portland because. I, I mean, I either of those teams should draft whoever they think is the best player, but wouldn't you consider that Charlotte has their point guard of the future, their franchise cornerstone in LaMelo Ball? Are they going to add Scoot Henderson to that? Is Damian Lillard going to play alongside Scoot Henderson? Um, if not, like, you know, both of those teams, Brandon Miller might be a more seamless fit, so I don't know if the Hornets go uh, Brandon Miller at two and then Portland either you know, take Scoot or puts together some crazy trade. Um, I don't know, but it, kind of a interesting chessboard now with uh, picks two and three, I think. I've heard some nice things about Brandon Miller, but I can't imagine some of the talk if they draft Brandon Miller right after bringing um, Miles Bridges back after some of that stuff. That'd be a pretty crazy dynamic, but yeah, it yeah, should probably can't do that. be very interesting for both those teams. But last thing on the Rockets here. Obviously, a lot of Thunder fans dancing on the Rockets' grave, hypothetically, that they drop out of the top three and go to four. But it's interesting for the Thunder, not just because, you know, these two teams kind of get compared to each other, but the Thunder own the Houston Rockets' top four protected pick in next year's draft, and them not getting a top four player, or not getting a top three player in this draft, in the three-player draft, looks like it could help the Thunder's odds next season. Yeah, and listen, like, few rookies are going to come in on day one and impact winning. And maybe Scoot will, but I would say the the one that we think will do that is Victor Wimanyama. So anything outside the number one pick, I don't think it would have um, too much significance related to to where that pick might fall next year. But ugh, man, it's a bad bad night in Houston in H Town. Uh, I just don't trust them organizationally at all. They have bad ownership. Uh, they've had bad management in in the front office, and if you have a bad organization, you want to make it as simple as possible. The Spurs are a great organization, but for example, if Houston or Charlotte gets number one pick, it's like go go on vacation, you know, go down to Cancun and and uh, uh, sip a drink with an umbrella on the beach because everyone knows who you're going to take. Now Houston has to really trust their scouting. 
they have to, you know, maybe it's Amon Thompson, um, maybe his twin brother. I don't know. It gets like very, I don't want to say dicey because it's still such a valuable pick, but there's a consensus top three and you can go any number of directions at number four. And if I was a fan of the Rockets, I would not trust uh, this team to make the right decision or beyond that to develop them in a way in a team context. Although they're, they're certainly taking a jump forward as far as coaching goes, but still it's kind of a, it's kind of a Island of misfit toys, albeit very talented ones down there. Yeah. They just stacked up a bunch of five-star draft prospects and it hasn't really materialized anything. But like you were saying, there is a drop off after the top three, but there are talent, uh, talented players in every single draft. Just like last year, it seemed like it was a top three draft with Paolo, Chet, and Jabari. And you have guys break out like a Jalen Williams, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Duran, and others, um, Walker Kessler. So there are guys to be found in that range. But if you look at the history of the NBA, there's a reason these top few picks are so important because you look at the history, like I said. Top three pick, Michael Jordan, LeBron's number one, Magic number one, Kareem number one, Tim Duncan number one. Like You can just go down the line. Traditionally, the best players of all time are kind of picked at the top of the draft, so that's why so many teams are trying to get there to try to flip their team. But it's going to be very interesting for Houston because they are a team with a bunch of cap room who I I was – this is going to sound very petty, and it is, but um, I was listening to a Houston Rockets team Twitter spaces right after I found out they got the number four pick which was just an incredibly fun time. Uh, I would encourage other people to do that too. If you have like a team that loses like your big rival, listen to their Twitter space. It's, it's fun. But they were talking about trading for Jalen Brown, all these other things. So I think the Rockets, like you said, is kind of an unstable organization. They have all these other things going on. I wouldn't necessarily trust them either. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe James Harden's back in town, which seems like it would be the uh, worst possible thing to do, but it might very well happen. Um just to back up a little bit, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned um, you, you preferred that Victor did not go to a Western Conference team. I, I don't, I don't really care. But you know, for, for I was, I'll say, it, I was selfishly hoping he'd go to Portland once. Once they went to commercial break, I th- I know it was Thunder's division, whatever. But that's for all you guys to care about and me to just write about. Um, but like Damian Lillard, star who who never leaves, and it would be like the ultimate reward, like basketball karma in a good way that that Victor lands in Portland. So they came up short. I thought that would be a cool story. I did not want him to go to the Hornets because if there's any team that could mess this up, I think it might be the Hornets. Spurs, like I said, very very predictable, very bland, um, but it'll probably work out and lead to a championship and the next. I don't know, six and a half years, I would say. Um, But yeah, those are about the only teams I felt strongly about. I did not want him to go to Dallas. Yeah. I tried to be very objective, but I do not like watching Luka Doncic. And you cannot complain your way to the top. You cannot complain and pout and act like a baby. And then, you know, your parents come home and gives you the, the nicest toy in the world. You can't have that, and they didn't have that. Anyway. Yeah, I, I was going back and forth because at one point I was like, I don't want him in the West, and then I saw the thing with Portland, and I was like, 
that would be cool for him to come to Oklahoma City twice a year. That that would be pretty fun. Also, they've just had like such awful draft luck and it's all bigs too. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I mean, maybe Wimbenyama would have been cursed if he would have gone to Portland, but um, feels like it'd be cool. I like their uniforms. Bill um, Walton, Sam Bowie, Greg Oden, Victor Wimbenyama. That would have been a little bit scary, but yeah, it would have been, I guess, sort of similar to the Duncan ten. Uh, Duncan and Robinson one, David Robinson, yeah. where you have the guy, the incumbent and Dame, and then the next guy coming in and Victor. But yeah, it, you sort of span eras there. Yeah, and we're seeing how well that's working for teams like the Warriors as they have the the two timelines. So who knows? But very exciting. Congratulations to the Spurs. But we are here to talk about Thunder, uh, the Thunder. And um, at twelve, I've looked at a couple mock drafts that came out within like 20 minutes of the draft lottery coming out. So you know this is a big J journalism at, at its right. finest. But SB Nation has the Thunder taking Keontae George out of Baylor, who's very similar to Trey Mann as a player from what I've seen in scouting reports and just watching film. And then DraftKings and NBADraftRoom.com have the Thunder taking Gigi Jackson, who I have heard things that doesn't sound like he's a Thunder guy. I think he's like 18, just played at South Carolina. But there are a lot of guys in this range just from the – different mock drafts that I looked at, which, you know, the mock drafts aren't just like set in stone. This is the order it's going to be. But the guys in that range are Jarris Walker, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, Grady Dick, Keontae George, Gigi Jackson, Dariq Whitehead, uh, Bryce Sinspaugh, Jet Howard, Taylor Hendricks, and more. Yeah, just to mention, just to mention a few of those names, um, I like, I, I, I'm higher on Jarris Walker uh, than I think a, a lot of people around here. I, I think... You know, not even just from a positional fit, um, but just a guy. He, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he could slot in at that four spot and really provide a lot of strength and athleticism um, next to Chet. He's a super switchy defender, um, which which would just fit in perfectly. And, and a guy who can play make offensively, and by that I mean make the right pass, make quick decisions, probably won't be much more than that um, on the Thunder. Um, so not the highest upside swing. I also really like just the pure knockdown shooters and Grady Dick and Taylor Hendricks from Kansas and UCF. Um, we haven't seen the Thunder go that route where they target like a specific skill set um, or a guy that's kind of boxed in a little bit uh, with a lottery pick, but maybe that line of thinking changes a little bit now that this team is getting closer to, to being fully formed. Um, and then... The names that sound very, very thundery, Rayon Rupert from the New Zealand Breakers, where Usman Jang just came from, uh, very thundery player, just a tall, skilled, young project. And the guy who is rising up draft boards, I think KOC, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, had him 15. Bobby Clintman is the name I'm watching just because everything I read about him he sounds like the most thunder player of all time. He barely played at Wake Forest, um, but he's super long, super skilled, and is very much in like the Jang, Poku, um, even Rupert sort of range as far as like, hey, might not work out, but if it does, look out. Like we all know what Poku could be if he reached his ceiling, what Jang could be if he reached his ceiling. Um, and maybe if you keep taking a swing at that pitch, you're going to knock one out of the park soon. And uh, I'm not saying the Thunder will go this route, but 
that's kind of been their line of thinking uh, w- with some of their recent draft picks. Now, J-Dub is different. He was older, I think more ready-made, um, and was a slam dunk of a pick. Um, but we'll see if they kind of take one of those upside swings with a raw prospect or a guy that can come in on day one and, and maybe contribute. And they're in a good spot to take one of those swings, as you mentioned with Poku and Jang. They've done it before, and I don't see a real reason why they wouldn't do it again because even if you whiff on two guys, hypothetically, as long as you hit on the third guy, all is forgiven, even if yeah. he doesn't hit his ceiling. And you have this foundation of all these other younger guys like Josh, J-Dub, Shea, hopefully Chet, Dort, who can kind of be the foundation so those guys don't have to be a huge piece of the puzzle, uh, and they can kind of operate and develop a little bit more in the dark. Yeah, and like it's just an interesting contrast in philosophies as far as like, you know, I, I don't want to put a I have no idea. I'm not a draft expert. I don't want to put a ceiling on anybody. But Grady Dick, if you think, okay, he's going to be a knockdown three-point shooter. He's going to fit in perfectly with this drive-and-dish team. He's just going to be uh, standing in the corner or on the wing able to knock down open jumpers. Uh, a minus defensively. Uh, how does that fit sort of work? But a guy that you can we can all imagine how good that might look. Um, but on the other hand, if you, if you don't think there's anything higher than that, then you might look at a guy with, Hey, let's, let's take that home run swing. So, um, I'm with you. I kind of think they won't change their, their mindset. The board is going to, it's going to shuffle a lot between now and the draft next month. There's going to be late risers, a la Jalen Williams a year ago. Um, so we might be mentioning names we haven't even mentioned yet on this podcast, but, um, the thunder, the thunder has optionality. That's the buzzword around thunder camp. Um, if they, they really like a guy who's on the board at number seven, I think they have enough ammunition to move up from 12 to seven. You know, they, they basically bought their way, uh, into the 11th pick a year ago with Usman Jang. They could do something similar. They could, you know, have two picks in the lottery for all I know, like they did last year. So um, we'll see. But as far as one night, as far as tonight went, it went exactly as expected. And everything from here on out uh, will be unexpected because the Thunder keeps the draft closer to the vest than any uh, than any team, I think, in the NBA. So um, I do not know the their draft board no one knows their draft board. Don't listen or don't pay attention to any draft rumors. Because other than Poku, who everyone thought the Thunder wanted and they drafted him, um, it's it's been completely unpredictable in Oklahoma City. Yeah, you even had Chris Haynes last year tweeting out Jabari Smith as the number two pick, and then we find out later it's Chet. So they're, they're very secretive. Yeah. J- James Booknight, anyone? Yeah. Do you remember um, the story about Mike Leach leaking out a fake uh, playbook at OU Texas when he was an assistant? I just imagine that's what Presti does around like all the draft combine stuff. Just as like Sam's big board, and it just has all these guys just randomly like, oh, I found it. It's like he doesn't even he like files on files where you I don't know some type of eye scan, blood scan to get into uh, the the mainframe of uh, his real draft board. No, not to go too deep on this, but this definitely happens. Like yeah. teams will be strategic 
in what they want out there. It might be completely untrue, but what is being reported is true and that it's being said to the reporter. It's just like meant to be leaked. And there's this exchange of information um, that's really hard to keep track of. Also, even more unreliable than that, um, most of the reporting you hear on draft time is from agents who obviously have the best interests of their players in mind and will leak information about another prospect they want to move ahead of or a team they don't want their guy to go to, everything like that. So it's it's all agenda-driven. That's just part of the game. Um, so I'm, I'm just happy to sit back and say, I don't know what the heck's going on, but but we'll see on June 22nd. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position and things coming out um, just where agents are trying to get their guys in certain teams, away from certain teams. But I'm glad you talked about the optionality for the Thunder because that's one of my biggest takeaways for them going into this draft is there's not one specific hole. Like There are obviously issues on the roster that you'd like to fix, but there's not just one thing that's like, if we don't get a point guard, we are lost in this draft or something like that. There's a lot of different spaces. I think the only thing that I'd be kind of I'd be really surprised about is if they took that big brawling five that I've heard some Thunder fans kind of clamor for. But other than that, I think one through five is kind of on the board for any guys they could take. If they take a semi-traditional big-bodied center, I will truly be shocked. Yeah, um, I think everything else is in play. Um, Listen, the guy they got at number 12 last year has has really taken all the pressure off because um, say they didn't trade up and add another pick. Now, J-Dub was higher on their draft board than Jang. Brian Windhorst did a good job reporting on this. Uh, the reason they took Jang with the traded pick instead of J-Dub is because if the trade falls through, maybe you lose the pick. Who knows what the heck happened? So uh, they used J-Dub with their own draft pick. Now, because he was so good and looks like a guy you could really build around and you had Shea emerge as a superstar and you had Josh continue to develop, um, you don't have to sweat it out as, as much as you might in Detroit or Houston or, or some of these other places that um, have to nail this. Like You have the leeway um, to, to sort of go after the guy that you want and to to be a little risky um, because if it flops, then yeah, like that's going to be on your resume. You're going to be held accountable for that. It's not going to work out. Um, but if it hits, then my goodness, like this team is going to be set. Yeah, I agree. And the Thunder are in a really good spot. But um, one last thing that I wanted to ask you about here that I didn't prepare you for because I wanted your gut reaction was um, some trade up targets just looking at the other teams around the first one i'll ask you about is the mavs at 10 would that interest you at all just going up two spots i'm thinking that the mavericks they need more help now out of a ready-made player than a draft pick so maybe you give them 12 and another first and then they can move that along for a player to help them yeah i think that's a realistic one i mean anytime someone's like oh can they move from 12 to 3 it's like no that's that's unrealistic but moving up two spots um i could see that uh, I'm with you. Dallas is a team that has to add real pieces. Now the clock is ticking. It's about to explode. Um, it seems so. I, I highly doubt the the Mavericks are going to get um, kind of Luca's running mate for the next decade with the number ten pick. Maybe they will. I don't know. Um, but they're a definite trade up candidate. Um, the only 
my only issue with like these hypotheticals, and they're good to go through. Is like I just have no idea what the Thunder's board looks like, yeah. and I'm not. I'm a little wishy washy on on all of these guys after uh, that top three. So determining the value between twelve and ten is difficult. But I'll tell you this: like Sam Presti always says, if they can trade up, they're going to trade up. Like, you, obviously, it's natural. You're going to move up the board. You want to have a bigger pool to pick from, um, and that's dependent on who's still left on the board. But um, I, I would definitely not be surprised by a trade up. And this is what a lot of the ammo is for, is so you can do what they did like last year with Jang, identifying your guy and saying, we don't just want Jada, we want both guys. And then you move up with using some of those picks. Uh, sounds like you're not a fan of the Blazers' pipe dream at three. I don't think that's a relative big, large possibility either. I'd be shocked if that happened. I don't think that the Thunder want to push a, the one chance at the button that Presti's talked about at length on a guy who's a little bit more unproven. I think that if they do push the button, it'll be for some, nothing's guaranteed in the NBA, but maybe role players or a guy who's had a little more skin in the game. Yeah. They're, they're not going to trade into the top three. Um, I, I will put that out there and risk looking like an idiot. If they do, I just, you just don't see that kind of movement these days, but with where their pick situation is now, and especially for first round picks next year, you know what? They probably overpaid for that the the Jang spot a year ago, but it wasn't outrageous. But like having this treasure chest of picks allows you to do that. Like um you can pay a dollar and 30 cents on the dollar um to to move up a couple of spots just because you have such latitude um to do that. So, you know, buying your way up two or three spots in the draft could could certainly work. I also had the Wizards at eight. There's not really a big trade here that I have uh, just in my head other than the fact that they are the Wizards and there's just some weird stuff going around them, so we won't touch on that too much. But this is one I really... The, the Wizards, I'll, I'll just yeah. say. Man, what a bad spot. <laughs> like, I mean, they're just going to pick like eighth every year, basically. And uh, Johnny Davis... Oh boy, Denny Avdia, I, Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia. Oh Corey man, Kispert. I'm breaking on it. Yeah, Corey Kispert. I mean, good player, but like a role player. Oh golly. At least we anyway, not a Wizards podcast. But the last uh, trade up target I have here, I think you are going to like this one. I think there's actually maybe something to it. That's the Jazz at nine. The Thunder owns the Jazz's top ten protected pick next year. So I'm thinking maybe twelve. And that pick for nine and some extra stuff from the Jazz potentially, because I think I'm the sold. Jazz would want to get that pick back very, very much. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, incumbent on the Thunder liking a guy enough at nine that they don't think will be there at twelve, and and they'll have the intel if that's correct. Um, yeah, I uh, I think you should call your shot. I think that's the shot. You just you just pointed like Babe Ruth. I mean. Um, that one makes a, a whole lot of sense, uh, and I could see that. So maybe instead of writing about the history of the number 12 pick, I'll, I'll get a jump start on writing the history of the number 9 pick. That's what we should do. We're going to slide an envelope under Presti's door. I'm sure that's the, the best way to go about it. I don't think he's a Ro guy who checks his Twitter DMs. Uh, Robert Swift, by the way, was another number 12 pick. I, I saw that. I have the history here. Another guy from the um, Sonics administration, Vladimir Radmanovich. Uh, Eton Thompson also played for the Thunder at one point. 
there's all types of guys here. Jason Thompson, Thaddeus Young, um, Oklahoma City Hornets legend Hilton Armstrong. There's, there's That's a lot right. of legendary names here. And, and Putnam City, Xavier Henry is is on the list. Uh, Jeremy Eton Lamb. Thomas, also an Oklahoma product. Dario Saric, yep. Thunder Ties. I mean, it's uh, it's quite an extensive list. Uh, one guy I had not heard of, he, he played like 24 games for the Clippers, uh, a Russian man that, that I don't remember the name of, but uh, he was also a number 12 pick. Oh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Nope. <laughs> I, I see it right there. Look, look, look it up, everybody. Yeah there's there's a whole lot of vowels and consonants in here that I don't really register with me. It made me feel like I couldn't read for a second trying to read his name. Also, like Tyrese Halliburton two years ago was the number 12 pick. P.J. So Washington. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned Miles Bridges. Obviously, uh, he has wasted uh, an opportunity, but... Um, uh, another guy that was on a really good track. So uh, you can definitely, I mean, Steven Adams is a good, good example, just a really solid pro Thaddeus young. You mentioned was on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's like fifth among active players in games played. Like that's incredible. Like what a career he's had. One of my favorite stats out there was when he was with the Pacers and they flashed this graphic and it was like players exclusively to average 20 points per game on 50, uh, 40, 65 shooting with two plus steals. It was like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, LeBron James, Thaddeus Young. That's a, that's a stat head special right there. Uh, that's what I, I love those ones so much. We need to get just very hyper-specific stats. Josh Giddy is the first player to have double doubles in back-to-back games as an Australian since Andrew, uh, since Andrew Bogut in 2011. <laughs> that That's what it's about. Oh, but boy. Joe, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to get some draft um, special people, some people who just go out there and cover the draft like no other to come on here and um, talk about some players. But what else do you have going on currently that you can plug? Well, uh, if everything goes accordingly, tomorrow... I will be talking to Tayshawn Thomas, who played at OU for a year after transferring to Houston. Um, he's now teammates with Victor Wimanyama, not on the Spurs, but on Metropolitan's 92 in France. So just to kind of localize the Victor story a little bit, get his take on what it's been like um, playing with Victor. Uh, I can't promise when we're going to run that, but um, at some point in the offseason, we'll, we'll have that story, which I think will be a good one. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun, and you've got some more draft stuff. Um, of course, we'll touch base with Barry, but a ton of cool stuff uh, along the way. It might be the off season, but we are not stopping here by any means uh, necessary. Right. We're going to get a lot of stuff going out there that's going to be interesting, so make sure to uh, stay in tune with that. Joe, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, man. Go, go Spurs go, as they say down in San Antonio. As they say. As they say down in San Antonio. I'm sure Charles Barkley is in shambles right now knowing the Spurs got a really good player. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Too bad, all... this isn't, too bad the game isn't on uh, TNT tonight. We, we would get like a, a great uh, halftime from uh, Charles Barkley. It would just be him and Shaq cracking up and, and Ernie trying to go to commercial break. Oh, they've already got the first three comments blocks. he might say about women in San Antonio, and I'll leave that there. They've got the first three blocks of the show for tomorrow <laughs> planned out, where it's just Barkley yeah. on San Antonio. That's what it says, and it's just mapped out. But yeah, oh, we've boy. got a bunch of cool stuff going on. I'm going to bring on somebody probably to talk about the draft on Friday and talk about some different prospects. We'll get some deep dives. I want to get as many opinions as possible because the draft is an inexact science. So just getting some different point of views on how different people view players should be fun, but 
thanks joe for coming on with me thank you for all of you for listening to the thunder buddies podcast make sure to like subscribe comment rate us five stars on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts we are the thunder buddies at thunderbud pod on twitter and we'll talk to you again for uh, about some more thunder basketball on 